0: Hey everybody, today I've got a real quick bonus episode because a few things came across my uh, news feeds and email that I thought were interesting. Uh, First up, my man, Andrew Stotts, on market crashes. So in the last episode, um, uh, the August 13th retirement news episode, I shared my fears, some of my fears, about a crash in the current bubble that we're living in. And as always, I'm never giving financial advice I'm just sharing my concerns based on my observations and research. Well, by coincidence, I got an email from the great Andrew Stotts today, and it included a link to a video he just put together that's all about market crashes. Now, one thing that never fails to amaze me is how many people that are retired or approaching retirement that have the majority of their wealth in equities. Given the fact that we've had three pretty significant crashes in the last 21 years, I would be so nervous if the majority of my nest egg were wrapped up in the stock market, especially today, the way things are. Um, so Andrew Stotts, by the way, is a highly respected financial analyst and host of the My Worst Investment Ever podcast, which by the way, was the first kind of legit podcast that I guested on. And um, it's really good if you want a good kind of investment related podcast that looks at investing from kind of a different angle. Anyway, it's called the My Worst Investment Ever podcast. So the video he uh, just posted, it's only about 15 minutes long. But it gives you an excellent overview of the history of market crashes, including like specific data on crashes, on individual crashes that happened over the last hundred years. Um, he shows the highs before the crash, how long subsequent recoveries took. Uh, and I think the information is very valuable for anyone who has money in the stock market or if you're just interested in this stuff like I am. He also covers the concept of dollar cost averaging which I haven't really gotten into on this show. Um I mean I've I've mentioned it a few times but it's it's worth hearing from him. Uh that's a very important investing concept. Watch the video if you're interested. Um and he re- reiterates the fact that we you know we all should consider dollar cost averaging as part of our investing strategy. Last but not least he also gives some excellent if not scary analysis of various global markets today using his own, what he calls FVMR methodology, which analyzes fundamentals, valuation, momentum, and risk, to give a green light or a red light. Now, this doesn't really uh, attempt to predict crashes, but it shows when overall markets are extremely hot or extremely cold. Anyway, if you own stock and you're wondering about the upcoming crash, This video will not predict the exact date when the crash is gonna happen, but it'll give you some tools that'll help you create a more informed comfort level with your current investing strategy. And in case you weren't watching on Friday, the S&P closed at yet another all-time high. Something's gotta give. Anyway, I put a link in the show notes to the video. Again, it's only like 15 minutes, so check it out. It's really good. This week on CNBC, Gene Simmons, our guy from KISS, like him or hate him, revealed that he bought a few million dollars worth of Bitcoin early on in the pandemic when it was priced around 10 grand. Gene calls himself a hodler, which is kind of funny for an old guy like that, but apparently he even bought more when it pulled back this year to around the $30,000 level. And he, on CNBC, predicted that we'd be at fifty-five dollars or $60,000 Bitcoin by the beginning of next year. Now, I'm not saying I disagree or agree, but I do wish I would have gone all in when it was at uh, ten grand. Anyway, speaking of Bitcoin, this week it was announced that Invesco, an independent uh, investment management company, filed with the SEC for a Bitcoin ETF, or exchange-traded fund. Now, if you've watched any CNBC in the last decade, you've heard about Invesco. They have all sorts of mutual funds and ETFs and over $1.5 trillion worth of assets under management. So they're heavyweights. Uh, Probably the most famous fund that they run is the QQQ NASDAQ fund. So these guys are serious players. But what's interesting about this particular institution getting into Bitcoin is that they're not actually going to buy any bitcoin their plan or at least according to their filing with the sec is to trade bitcoin futures on the chicago mercantile exchange and crypto etps or exchange traded products like the grayscale bitcoin trust so i thought that was interesting so they're basically going to be gambling on futures rather than actually buying the asset The SEC doesn't move fast on applications like this, though. So the Invesco crypto ETF won't see the light of day anytime soon. But whenever I see institutional interest in crypto, it makes me more interested. And by the way, there have been over a dozen Bitcoin ETF applications filed with the SEC in the last year that are still waiting for approval. So this whole area is something to watch, definitely. Because as more institutional money piles in, you know, again, Bitcoin has 21 million coins, finite supply. Um, And there are a lot fewer than that right now. But, you know, overall, there's that cap. So The more people, especially institutional investors that get interested in this, and especially ones that actually will buy the asset, the more scarcity should drive up the price. Anyway, so get this. According to a recent Wall Street Journal article, Orthodox Jews are moving out of New York City at a record pace and heading to Florida. According to the author of this article, the decision to move was based on a few common factors. One factor was schools. Now, Florida has a school voucher programs, uh, which Democrats hate and Republicans love, but these voucher programs allow some public school funds to pay for private schools in this case, including private Jewish schools. Um, Almost 2,000 new students joined Jewish day schools throughout Florida from 2018 to 2020. So there's been, been definitely an uptick. And meanwhile, New York City banned private schools from operating during the pandemic and uppity Democrat New Yorkers ratted out their Jewish neighbors who kind of bucked the laws or bucked the directives and continued to run the schools anyway. Uh, So that's kind of dicky. Anyway, the second factor was the oppressive government of New York City with its strict lockdowns, mask mandates, and now a vaccination mandate just to participate in your everyday life. So people are basically getting sick of it. And remote work has given many of these people the opportunity to just get the hell out. Um, The third factor was the low tax environment in Florida. So it turns out you can save a lot of money departing New York City, which boasts a combined state and local income tax burden that can hit as much as 14.7%. Think about that. On top of your federal tax burden, an additional 14.7% hit. And Florida has no state income tax. Now, there's other factors like... um, already existing Orthodox Jewish communities, but think about it, where would you rather be? Cheaper properties, arguably better weather, more personal freedom, and a 14% raise in income. Hello, Florida. Okay, so that's really all I wanted to talk about today. I will be back at you next week. Nothing in this podcast is meant to be financial, legal, or tax advice. Though there's some kick-ass information here, it's for informational purposes only. Take control of your retirement planning, but get professional counsel if you need tax, legal, or financial advice. For more content like this, join my mailing list at rogueretirementlounge.com. And if you have questions about retirement investing, entrepreneurship, business, or anything else, my email address is matt at rogueretirementlounge.com.